truth about a mirror Is that a damned old mirror Don't really tell the whole truth It don't show what's deep inside Or read between the lines And it's really no reflection of my youth Sometimes I feel like Jesse James Still trying to make a name Knowing nothing's gonna change What I am I was a young troubadour When I wrote in on a song I'll be an old troubadour When I'm gone Another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents. It is a very smooth Saturday afternoon, December the 9th. Listening to the rain outside and just relaxing. That sacred wrestling song, Troubadour by George Strait is... The closing song for The Undertaker's six-part series called The Last Ride that uh, you can see on Peacock. I don't know that the music video itself is not available on the YouTube. But I certainly have enjoyed uh, the music of George Strait for a long time now. My uh, children's mother was uh, from a different part of North Carolina. Uh, raced horses, things of that nature, and uh, was country music themed for anything that was coming out of the stereo. So I was listening to that whenever her father was around or to sort of immerse myself in the landscape. But as I've gotten older, there's more of the relation to some of the hardships, the songs, the pride and the um, way of life that goes into the music, which is a common description of music throughout the world. The way of life is, is what's incorporated into the sounds and the songs, the lyrics. So, um, Troubadour is something I've enjoyed many times at work because you get a little <laughs> wear and tear on your body you start thinking about moving from you know up the ladder from one position to another and those internal discussions um, are I guess they're internal thoughts I don't know if, it, it, I sort of suppose it depends how many people you got in there as to whether it's a thought to yourself or a discussion with your subconscious or 
whatever that alternate ego may be. If you're Michael Craver and you're having a discussion with the old uh, savior inside, then yeah, there might be something to that. I was somebody asked me recently. They said, "When I'm around you, I have to use seems like I have to use very specific language, and you know, you take everything to mean exactly what it says." I thought, well, when I read something that says three plus three equals six. I mean, that's what it means. If you tell me that you believe in in an idea, a mantra, mission statement is a okay. So the I believe the phrase in question was something along the lines of people, you know, make time for the things they love. And I said, well, that's absolutely not true. With you know, you could love everybody and not have time for them. You'd love to save all the animals, but you you save who you can, and you you know you go on. And I found that interesting, having just watched the one of my very favorite films, two thousand six has um, the Guardian, Kevin McCosner and Neil McDonough, and Ashton Kutcher, and beyond, and they. You know, it's a Coast Guard themed movie. There's so many of these organizational type movies that you have Medal of Honor, which is the the men's diving in the uh, Navy. You have things that go along the lines of, you know, Black Hawk Down, where you have the incursions overseas in Somalia. And I suppose you could look at Backdraft or Ladder 49 or, you know, the the firefighter-themed type of of movies. So this one being, you know, the, the one that they tribute to the Coast Guard. Kevin Costner is this, you know, legendary rescue swimmer and he needs to go get his mind right and so they send him to teach the next class. They're always asking him, what do you do in these difficult scenarios? You, It's crunch time. You got an opportunity to save one of a number of people. How do you know who to save? You know, and he he gives a couple of different descriptions of finding the one who can't survive on their own and he's going to grab them first. That he swims as fast and as hard as long as he can till he can't. I think it's difficult to objectively now to subjectively say, "Oh, you, you don't make time for me, so you don't love me." Listen, I absolutely enjoy spending time with people who are the elders of my family, my children, the in between, to be able to. learn any number of things as the week goes on I have not made time to well I've, I've given my thoughts on pets on this platform any number of times you know you own them you trade them you put them down when you want to that's not exactly freedom 
As long as you're okay with oppressing an animal. Well, that's not oppressing. They're not free. You can't let them go free. It's the law. We have leash laws, and then you're held liable for anything they do and beyond. They're animals. They're a different species. Don't pretend that, you know, human descriptions and (laughs) rights and privileges extend to them. It's the reason if I kill your dog, then there's no uh, language in the... court system that's going to say anything about a human being they're not a human being and anything that you prosecute people for destroying whether it's uh, you know a bird a tiger a cat a dog a fish whatever it is is destruction of property not another life it's not viewed that way in the eyes of the law not when it relates to you and your your dog if it's Um, something in a national forest or some sort of protected species, it becomes a little bit of a different area because of the federal statutes. But it's, it's just interesting to me that, you know, you can't make time for everything. And people do make time to, to get into these verbal scraps about, (laughs) <laughs> the cause and effect or the justification the, just to fight out the circumstances of why something can't be done. What makes it okay for it to remain undone or because they they choose not to do it or they prioritize something in its place. It's It's just a very strange landscape to see that go on where you have somebody didn't complete their work and they have the time to give the explanation and work up the excuse and do the, but not to do the work. Does that mean they don't love the work? I don't know that part. That's up to the individual, but that's subjective. If you said, I believe people don't, love things that they don't make time for, then that would be your point of view, right? And that's fine. Could be accurate. It could be that you're entitled to your wrong opinion. That's a case-by-case basis. But I can tell you that I absolutely, you know, and I think a lot of people, they love going on vacation. They love going to the beach. Oh, I love the beach. I wish I could spend every day there. Well, you must not love it that much if you don't spend every day there. Like, what the? F- <laughs> that's, 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 Michael, uh, no, I understand exactly what people are trying to, it's trying to use a cliche to describe a particular situation, but it's not universally applicable. It's not logical. And it doesn't, present itself as a formula that you can apply in to blind or into objective situations. You don't have time for everything you love. Does it mean that there are people who love things and don't make time for them? Well, that's not what that means. The other thing is true, and that is true. There are people who don't make time for things they love. 
And there are certainly people who don't love things and don't make time for them. Each version of that could be a possibility. It just depends on the situation. That's why it's subjective. And it's so strange to hear, you know, people have these. I heard a guy the other day go back and forth about, well, you know, the Bible says you can do this. Talks about incest. Talks about slavery. Talks about... Listen, any book that is describing the world 2,000 years ago probably includes situations that were common practices 2,000 years ago. This is not some special thing. It's the Bible. It's religion is what it would be. If you're going to apply it to the story, it's, it's saying a newsflash, it's the same story in each of those ancient religions. It's the story of Abraham. The Jewish folks, the Muslim folks, the Christian folks all share the same story. Now, Scientology is a little different where they're, you know, talking about coming from outer space, whatever it is. But it's a little strange when people try to um, take a piece of history and then condemn like like this it would be as if you spiked the punch or as if you you know you've got a big nice gallon of paint and somebody drops something in there and now it's the whole batch is ruined one bad apple spoils the bunch one drop you know poisons the well that kind of thing so if if you look at it and you say, well, I have to take all this completely literally. Well, then you're going to have a lot of problems with any kind of storytelling. Because to get the morals out of the three little pigs, you're going to have to understand there is not a wolf who goes around like some giant destructive soprano singer blowing houses down. He doesn't exist. It's not even, you know, the original version of how a lot of those things went. You know, the, we had the, the ancient, more, you know, gruesome versions of things, the Grimm Brothers and so forth. And then we have the modern spin on things. There's nothing wrong with either one. I don't quite understand why um, people tend to, um, you know, they run around and they are just fine using their iPhone. Uh, but it, I'll give you a, an interesting set of circumstances that may or may not line up to you, right? Does this make, tell me if this makes a person a hypocrite. They're using their iPhone to do their, their business. They're, they're trying to look up something. And... Condemning, they, hey, what Bible verse is that, that you don't enjoy? That's got some do with slavery. Oh, it's in this one in Solomon. And all right, well, let me ask you: Do you think you'd be standing on some morally righteous ground to be looking up this Bible verse on your iPhone, made with the uh, 
slave labor that goes into so many parts of that technology around the world. Is that hypocrisy? Are you participating in modern-day slavery and, you know, child exploitation, et cetera, et cetera? Are you buying things that are Chinese and, you know, engaging in what would otherwise be like, you know, human rights violations, et cetera, et cetera? Just an interesting question. Because it's hard to be, it's real hard for anybody about any situation, no matter how pure you may think the snow is. You know, it comes out of a, an atmosphere with greenhouse gases. So we're always going to be in these paradoxical who can shame who to the greatest degree kind of moments if you take that approach to things. And it's it's not really going to make any progress to do that, to pretend that anything is pure or it's nothing. That's not how the world works. We're all full of all kinds of inefficiencies, inaccuracies, and mistakes. And as I've said so many times on this program, we are a work in progress. Everything is. Everybody is. It doesn't make any sense to go round about, are you, am I trying to be more accurate by saying, hey, look, here are people, and these people tend to go back and forth and say, well, if you don't do something, you don't love it, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's not true. It's just not how it works. You know, the reality of it is that when you start to break everything down and assign this ultimatum to the culture, nobody is compromising or understanding of anyone else. Hey, this I can't believe that guy didn't pay for that. Well, people make there's now there are people who make absent-minded mistakes, you know, genuine mistakes. And then you also have folks who are in these boats where they've done something uh, out of some sort of what we would consider what upstanding or morally responsible kind of people would consider a character flaw, some kind of issue with their integrity and their ability to be truthful and play by the rules. So that's one take on it. Somebody else may look at it as if there is this necessity to, you know, survival, this mode that people get into that can't afford something, they can't live without it. It's going to be theirs, hell or high water. They're going to take the risk. They're going to take it. But it's only because they couldn't afford it and they would die without it, that kind of thing. Now, are any of those things absolutes? Well, I'm, in 2023, there are food banks and everything else that you can petition to, you know, to go through the social services and have an EBT card and SNAP and WIC and all these incentive things that we do for folks who otherwise maybe could not afford something. You run into situations where you have the ability to 
help folks from a larger network, from the community, from the inside out. And you think, well, why would anybody steal? Why not go up to the people who are running the place and say, hey, this is my situation. Do you have anything you could let me, you could part with, and it could be mine, but I can't pay you. Is there anything I could do to work this off? To you know, There's so many different ways to barter, more or less. And when you start getting into these ultimatums of, you know, somebody's right and somebody has to be wrong, it causes an argument, as, as I've said many times, and I kind of believe this, you know, it's nobody wins an argument. So what are you really up to out there? I mean, are you are you wanting to be part of this work in progress, this culture that we have? You know, there's people running around. They want to solve their problem by making a lot of projectiles fly through the air. They want to harm people. They want to, you know, get their name in the news and take some people with them. That's spreading their misery around. I can't see... Anybody who's arguing their right to express themselves with a firearm. They're just not there. and I'm somewhat creative. I can't think of anything that would allow you to be able to violate the law and then harm other people, but still be someone who (laughs) has this righteous mindset about it. Now, if that's true, then you understand more about conflicts that happen throughout the world where you know people engage armed forces to peacekeep and hold their ground or to you know to intervene in the way of some invading force. You know, here comes Saddam Hussein into Kuwait, we're going to send over troops. Here comes, you know, the Germans across borders, and we're going to send some people across the ocean. So that happens, and that's nothing new. We understand that. If you look at it in terms of people being, you know, war profiteering and all these other kinds of things, look, there are going to be people who are going to hitch their wagon to every kind of social interaction, whether it's destruction, whether it's progression, whatever it might be. Are you exploiting guys who are working really hard to go park your food truck and let them smell the tacos and the burgers and whatever you might be selling? Well, you're enticing them. You're playing on their human emotions. You are... Oh my God, I've been working hard. Oh, that would really hit the spot, right? Well, here's this guy over here. He's doing something wrong, and it's one of the reasons wrestling is so popular. Here's this guy over here, this country, this, you know, maybe it's a woman, whatever it is. There's a force that is doing something you don't agree with. They are pissing you off. And they're trying to do something that might be taking land away from some people. Maybe they've killed a bunch of people. Whatever this situation might be. It's a conflict that you have a strong feeling to choose one 
set of values over the other. Now, what's right or wrong? You, you know, you're going to argue about who the Middle East belongs to, who the, the Gaza Strip belongs to, who really should have free, well, I guess we called it eminent domain, but who should have this ability to expand their horizons and forget about whether or not it's peaceful, whether or not everybody agrees. When a company in America takes over somebody else's market share, they don't ask that person to give it up. They go out there and they advertise and they outsell them and they take their business away from them. And then the other company has you know a couple of choices to maintain, to sell out, to close down. That's difficult. And when you have these very ancient things that have been going on throughout the world, but you know it wasn't always individual countries throughout Europe. You know, I I say Ukraine because they you know announced the boxers that way, but. So you have the gentleman who runs Russia and then the gentleman who runs the Ukraine. And, you know, so they were both one and the same under the USSR, right? So under the Soviet Union and, you know, for 100 years, that was Soviet territory. And in many ways, they, you know, look at it in terms of it still might be. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. You know, and it's really one of those things, and I I go back to this, but George Carlin takes, he's referencing the people who join private contract work and military work, and they go to these not-U.S. countries. They are in harm's way. He said, you want to stay safe, stay over here where you belong, and stop messing in somebody else's country. Otherwise, there are severe consequences possible for those risks that you're taking. Is there a lot of money to be made and stories to be told and this and that and the other? Sure there is. But with the reward, generally comes a tremendous amount of risk. That's true in conflict, it's true for relationships, and it's to a larger scale things that I'm talking about, where you know it makes the news and you start arguing who's waving the right flag. But in just a civil or a simple, a small, localized conversation, the points of view and the objectives for both sides are not that different. Somebody believes one thing, somebody operates perhaps a different way, and you can compromise and give each other enough respect to communicate with the language barrier, which you may be able to resolve, or... You can decide that we're we're just different, and hope that 
future conflict is avoided because you don't think you're going to be able to coexist under the current wavelength that you and, well, the two parties are operating on. That's difficult. You run into somebody who works beside of you, who supervises, who you supervise, whatever that might be. That's a difficult dynamic to work with if you if nobody is going to respect the, the structure of an organization, right? So the supervisor says, here is this. You don't like it. You appeal to somebody higher, to a, a third party, to a, a grievance, a place where you file a complaint, you, have, you, know, you open a case, whatever your place might have as an option. And once that arbitration, once that has been addressed, now we know what this is like taking it to the appellate court and the division of the Supreme Court. So once it has been reviewed and ruled on, just like it is in the court system, then you know how everybody is supposed to proceed. Somebody may be an absolute winner and somebody might be absolutely unhappy. There could be a compromise. It's really unpredictable sometimes <laughs> with modern climate to take it to uh, some sort of mediator or uh, I guess it would be human, is that human resources or relations or whatever your enterprise might have for its personnel to be reviewed and, and find out, you know, is everything, what are, what's our policies and our procedures and what, what are the founding fathers, what are the forefathers, what are the people who wrote all of this language really intend today and what will the future be? So sometimes you're crossing a brand new open landscape where there is not a clear direction to take those are interesting times but so many times there are folks who rely on these age-old kind of oh, that's the way i always thought it was i never knew any different now you know that there could be something different and we're going to have to look at it and see whether we're going to do it the the way that you think you believe the quote unquote older you know, the way it's always been, or perhaps somebody has autonomy, they have uh, control, they have discretion in their job title, so that, oh yes, that's absolutely within their power, within the authority of their office, their job title, their position, whatever that might be. So that is something that has to be put into play. Can a coach do this to his team? Many times the answer is going to be yes, and whether the players like it or not, it's part of a broader vision. It's part of the oversight that goes into that hierarchy. And so if you don't understand that sometimes when you argue with people, they don't have to, you know, the first step in any process is to give a fuck, right? So if you understand that there are people who, whether they socially are not tied to you, whether 
through a hierarchy are not on the same level as, as you, above or below, you may not find a tremendous amount of glory or happiness in trying to latch on to things that you read, you know, slogans on a t-shirt, things you're going to print on a coffee cup, because times change. And often situations are just deeply circumstantial. And as a guy who, you know, whether it's autistically or Asperger's or whatever kind of spectrum filter that I'm putting things through, I tend to look at things in what I think are absolute kind of ways. Ways that you can apply a simple formula and get a pretty good reading on the past, present, and future. I'll go into that a little bit more after the break. The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hat. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. If you thought one napkin for the quarter pounder with cheese was enough, it's not enough. McDonald's is just—I'm telling you—I ran out last week. I—I I ate that <laughs> quarter pounder. I think live on the episode I was I was hit the spot right at about ten thirty at night. Hadn't had anything. My I talked about questions, the formula, the questions, the simple things, the how to get to the most important answers. And I've got a handful of those that apply to different things with regard to work, with relationships and otherwise. And I'm sure I have some notes here my desk but the thing that came to mind coming out of the commercial break with regards to questions was this note that I have on my clipboard that says I love the internet and it has an interesting question written on there that I ran across the other day on I want to tell you it came from reddit or some other forum you know debate driven kind of place where people post sometimes true and sometimes very absurd propositions so what the the situation at hand Dealt with one of my favorite people in wrestling, Brock Lesnar.
the question, the original question I saw, was could Brock Lesnar fare very well against a grizzly bear? And these people were just going to town. Well, what if he had weapons? What if it was unarmed and the bear was declawed? And people just looked at it and said, look, it's nature. A bear can do this and that to a human being. One strike with a paw. You know, these bears take down you know, a, a moose and everything else in nature. So you know, you people are out of your damn mind. And I thought, you know, where I came into it is because John, because my buddy, he... If you know me, you can ask for him. Uh, he uh, he sent me this series of images that I originally thought was part of some kind of a documentary or uh, an advertising campaign or something. Because the first photo is Brock Lesnar in this cave with like small bears. Maybe one other bear, and he's there's like a steak he's eaten over a fire. And I'm like, wow, that is kind of interesting, kind of cool. But the more, you know, he sent me five or six pictures, and one of them in particular, <laughs> Brock is out in the woods, and he's pressing this moose up over his head with both arms. And I thought, wait a minute now. We're going to have to, it, It's this is at like 12 o'clock at night. We're going to have to zoom in on some of these images and give this. So it's artificial intelligence. It's AI generated images is what it was. But what a what an interesting use of, of you know, cartoons or technologies. It looked a lot like the, uh, the Incredibles or, or something like that where, you know, here's this guy who's, you know, larger than life and. They present him on TV as the alpha male, and you know, here's Brock Lesnar. If, if the aliens brought down somebody and we, they were going to have a fight with one human being, it would be Brock Lesnar. Well, very interesting guy, to say the least. You know, maybe they should have a fight with the Undertaker. You may have a favorite person in the world. You know, maybe your soldier of fortune is somebody like uh, American sniper uh, Chris Kyle. Or Chuck Norris, or you know, you have a, a UFC favorite, maybe another sport, whatever it might be. That's it's just interesting to see these very absurd things on online because there are questions that come about which are outrageous. There's insults, there are euphemisms and metaphors and analogies, all these plays. And, and combinations of words that people use are often things that are not rooted in reality. And they're not supposed to be taken with, you know, this penultimate sincerity that the answer has an implication on the real world. There's a lot of what-if things that happen in life. Is in general. And some of those are 
quite fictional, you know. What about if Frankenstein fought the wolf man? You know, who cares? But it, is it fun for people who like that sort of thing? I'm sure it is. That's why you have the, the video games the kids play now license and they integrate characters from all across entertainment into you know single places so that you can have these fantasy conflicts and things that don't have any bearing on the real world what do you mean are you trying to say if there was a real Mortal Kombat tournament. Rambo wouldn't do so well. Listen, just because they got Rambo in the new Mortal Kombat doesn't mean he would really beat some guy who's got lightning powers like Raiden. Or why am I talking about this on this podcast? <laughs> That's great, but uh, it's one of these things where you know it's it's fun to be young. You know, Wiley Coyote and the you know the Roadrunner is just out there. He's up against the super genius, and there's all these contraptions, and of course Wiley Coyote. You know, he's falling off of these extremely high places. He's trying to fly. He's he's on catapults, and he's being sabotaged or outsmarted by this, you know, bird brain roadrunner. And it's nothing like real life. You know, if somebody's on the edge of a cliff, and they just... It's over. It's over, you know. That's where there's going to be this... Amazing stain that there's going to have to have like five gallons of luminol just to light it up in the moonlight. But it's not ever meant to be taken seriously. Those are cartoons. What I was looking at was artificial intelligence or AI generated. It's it's things of that nature. Now, there was an ethical question that came into to my peripheral this week about the use of AI There's some sort of strong, at least it's a rumor, the Sports Illustrated is refuting that this is true, but there was a very strong implication and rumor mill going on that the people at Sports Illustrated had essentially had stories, they were, I don't know if they were testing it, I don't know that they say this is not true, so until some... Empirical evidence comes out one way or the other. Here is the alleged situation. Articles appeared that are credited to writers who can't be found, don't have a you know a, a photograph, et cetera, et cetera. And under further analysis, many people allege that these were AI-generated articles, that this was some way for them to save money, not have to pay royalties. It's... Uh, this new frontier for journalism and beyond, you know, if you're going to let artificial intelligence write, you know, movie scripts or reviews or songs or whatever it might be, it's a way for companies who can license or, or own that technology to automate things. I mean, it's, it's cost cutting as much as anybody who, you know, worked at Amazon and now a machine took your place. You were on the Ford assembly line and now they got a an automated way to do that with whether it's a robot or whatever that might be. So if 
if you disclose that all of those things are being done through artificial means, I don't know that that's unethical because you're then disclosing that, right? And if you're an institute of higher learning, you don't want people to be able to turn in artificial intelligence or or these computer-generated, you know, term papers, articles, homework, then everyone should have to, you know, disclose the origin. And, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, here's the... Here's the fun part of this argument. Freedom of the press has always had these these wild tie-ins with people who write articles and refuse to name their sources and very rarely under you know the most dire of circumstances has it ever been required for them to disclose the source of their information. So, I'm hard-pressed to think that that would not be something that a good lawyer or maybe a bad, you know, I don't know how much skill this would take to be able to run these news organizations, to run, I want to start a news organization, I want to run every article as, as by a writer who who doesn't exist, have made up names, the computer is writing them for me, I'm putting them out, I sell advertising, I make a fortune. You would think the people who own that technology would try to make me subscribe to it or pay for its work or something of that nature, right? So that's where I think the the fun part of this will come in in the future is if you want to be able to do this with a certain kind of technology, you're going to have to pay. And that's where it's going to go to. So is it ethical to be able to do that and not disclose that it's not a real person? It's an interesting thought. It's New Frontier. I don't know why you would have to disclose whether or not a real person develop the information or whether it was written by a, tr- a true ghostwriter by um, a computer program. That'd be an interesting set of circumstances. And so those are the kinds of questions that are facing, you know, the broader future of, of information and so forth. Because we've seen the Terminator movies where they, they're going to put this military computer technology in charge of all of our you know, satellites and nuclear weapons, and it's called Skynet, and it was developed by Miles, and, you know, and they put it in, and the Skynet takes over, and then there's Judgment Day, and then the Terminators come, and all that stuff, right? But, you know, the fear, and they talk about this a lot on Joe Rogan and things of that nature, are, the fear is how does it change your culture, whether innocent or innocent or not, that you have these abilities of, you know, programs to simulate information and and to then be used to blend in with uh, information distributed by human beings, you know, actual human beings. So what does that mean? Well, we market movies that are CGI right next to movies that are made with old-time special effects, right next to things that are made without special effects. And it's up to the consumer. So, ultimately, it's it's always going to be up to the people. 
Now, you could say in the old days, because of the restrictions and the, it was cost prohibitive to distribute everything equally. Now it's not with the internet. But in the old days, you could have had a, a tremendous argument about how this would have polluted um, society because if CBS News decides to do this and they're one of the three major news networks, now 30% of the marketplace is all of a sudden you know, immersed in this information that is, you know, hopefully it goes through an editor and then it's it's sent out to people, but hopefully, you know, computers don't try to start enslaving the human race, you know, or something like, you know, this, this strange incremental social change that could happen through controlling the news and the media. Many people think that's, you know, what happens with everything else, with political, you know, endeavors and everything else. Oh, they, they never have a ne- negative view on this. They never cover this subject, et cetera, et cetera. So imagine what, you know, a super smart computer could do to manipulate the landscape of our society. Yeah, you could have these kinds of, of endless discussions, but really that's something that only time is going to be able to tell whether any of that materializes. However, if you look at it in terms of food or whatever else, there's some interesting timelines in place for how we have genetically modified a tremendous amount of things and we have, you know, these substitute foods and vegan this and gluten-free that and our medicines have become largely a product of genetic manipulation, so... It's hard to say that you are going to be able to say any one thing or another thing is is going to turn out negatively. That's the part of having an open mind about you know different things that you you all if you're a person who always wants to do things the old fashioned way. I don't see anybody sending a crew of you know 3D printers out there to build a house with, so. If you if you're laying tile and you're doing all this work and you're you know a, a carpenter, it seems like you're in pretty good shape out there. If you're a person who is you know working in certain industries, there's a lot of strikes going on, things like that. Humans have been always the the biggest threats to our own systems. This was the biggest threat to your family lineage. Your children, <laughs> like they, they destroy, you know, they don't have kids, and then, the, you know, the family name doesn't continue. They ruin your family name by, you know, committing uh, unsavory things and crimes and posting things on the Internet, and, you know, and that's ultimately what has happened to so many legacies over the course of time, whether it's, you know, you go back and it's the, the Habsburg Empire and these people in Europe who, you know, they kept marrying in, in to their own families, right? To but then between incest and inbred and people either went sterile or they essentially wiped out their own people, uh, biologically. Not intentionally, but biologically, you know, unintentionally. And in modern times, you know, families get so wealthy that, you know, some kind of scandal happens or you know this guy had you know all these people and they had fortunes and his his kids you know just couldn't handle it fame and overdoses and 
all these wicked things that people have now called curses, where, you know, most of those things get put into new hands and they're traded publicly or, you know, here's a family who owned all of this, started this, et cetera, and now they've all but sold or, you know, dissolved their interest in something they started. And it's interesting that human nature goes in those cycles because it's a roundabout way of how I think that we, you know, society at large, but myself as an individual too, uh, as part of that, has not only reevaluated, but withdrawn from things like intimate relationships. Uh, We have so many people who want those traditional kinds of things. And don't get me wrong, because I eat breakfast with family members every Thursday morning, and that is my favorite two to three hours of the week. There's nothing like it. And if you're, you know, you're out there and you think, well, I... Me and my husband have that. Me and my significant other of the the same sex or their whatever they might be, non-binary, you know, you and your meditation with the bodhisattva or, you know, to whatever religion. If that is your supreme time of the week that you, oh, man, this is where I, I really find peace. Enjoy it, you know. So for some people, that's a television show. For some people, that's live music. For some people, it's become something that's a substance or a narcotic or otherwise. And I can't say that everybody has a healthy way of indulging themselves. However, when I'm talking about these broader points, what I'm referring to is that we have such not acupuncture because that's supposed to be a good thing you know acupuncture is a therapy and it's supposed to balance you and you know it's like going to the chiropractor and he's and he's cracking you all up and and now you're good and then maybe you need another adjustment etc but the old term is death by a thousand cuts where you are up against these circumstances, whether it's at work or otherwise, right? So you let's say you work somewhere, you're not very happy because of your home life. And now there's this other thing you're noticing. Hey, wait a minute, I don't I don't like the way this guy talks to me. I don't like that so and so calls out. I don't like this policy we have. I don't like something I read in the news, maybe we're going to have to go on strike or you're not getting the raise that you wanted to have this year, whatever it might be. And many of those things stain you and they stay with you. They are not going anywhere. So, you know, even if the guy you mentally, and whether he knows it or not, you have this, this rivalry with his approach to the, to the workplace, you know, 
whether you guys acknowledge that and you're going to battle it out, as I spoke about you know earlier, this who's right, who's wrong, who's going to prevail. Oftentimes, the things that you are at odds with, that you hate, the other party to that, whatever it is on the other side, does not feel the same as you feel. And there are so many instances where the other, you know, the alternate, the opposite of your point of view, that other person, that you know, especially if it's a policy or something arbitrary that you, you can't argue with, with because it doesn't have uh, sentient. What, what is the word? It doesn't have consciousness. It's not a sentient being. It doesn't have the ability to, to interact with you, right? You hate the marketplace. You hate the culture. You hate you know whatever it is out there in the ether. Well, that's going to be completely unhealthy for you because there's not a compromise to be made there. And if the other person... Because you don't like, you know, whomever it is, is unaware of it. Well, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be quite a situation too, isn't it? You're upset with somebody who doesn't even know you're upset with them, and it makes you even madder. Maybe not, but it does make it somewhat improbable that you're going to find some kind of common ground. That the universe will just open up and you know swallow the problem, and and then you'll see eye to eye from now on. In order for two sides to be able to interact and negotiate, I mean everybody, the you know that's the the old, not the first step in any process, but you know the first. piece of being able to solve a problem is to admit that there is one to acknowledge that there is one well if the other person doesn't see it that way that may infuriate you even more but it's certainly not going to bring the two of you closer to being able to figure something out i don't even see it as a problem what are you talking about (laughs) i don't know because now you have to you have to engage them, educate them. You have to, now you have to coach them into why there is a problem. And can you only imagine this being a television show? You wouldn't be all that interested if the people on the two different sides, you know, one of them really hates the other one. And the hated person is is quite naive to this. Doesn't see it as a problem. Isn't going to get upset about it. Things are good where do you take that? Do you overwhelm them? Are you going to pick a fight with them? You know, you know, the old William Wallace, I'm going to pick a fight, you know, and he's, he's, he's going to go, you know, scurry up the, uh, the Englishman, see if he can't have a, a battle with him. But I find a lot of, humor in these the the irony in it that i'm aware of different conflicts that me and another person may or may not have especially if we've talked if they're interested in dating or otherwise there are certain questions and, and things that are 
I suppose you might call them qualifications, right? So you are going to post um, a job. Let's say you lay tile. You want somebody to help you. Let's say you work in an office. You want somebody to run a computer. What would the qualifications be for the different positions? What would the qualification be for somebody to live and coexist, just to coexist, to be a roommate in your household? Okay. Now, what would it take for them to sleep in your bed and you to love them and you to take care of them, you know, their caretaker and their lifelong partner? Because we're, we're really exponentially changing the stakes there. And if you, if they, if you approach it with that sort of hierarchy, with you going up that ladder of, hmm, in order to be in the house with me, well, they'd need to be able to carry their share of things, whatever that proportion is between the two of you. Could be 50-50, could be 100 to zero. Likely it's going to be two people contributing and almost never equally. Cleanliness, mm. hygiene, mm. do you need to be able to, to respect them? Like, it, does how they present themselves, their look, their appearance, is that going to bother you if you wake up and pass them, you know, in the hallway or you think, you know, this person's really ruffling the, um, karma might not be the word, but certainly they're ruffling the, whole vibe of your dwelling and so here you are thinking yeah okay I would rent a room to this guy this girl these people college students whatever it might be I don't know and not because he's a fan of like the rival school or something that you know I love the New York Rangers hockey team oh yeah well, I love the Boston Bruins. Okay, well, we can get along. We'll watch the game together. I don't give a fuck. But if <laughs> if it's one of those things where you look at them and you think, wait a minute now, they perhaps have an, what you consider to be an absurd methodology or this unruly, and maybe it doesn't have a center. You know, they're not centered. They're just chaotic. They they don't have any structured approach to how they look at things. Don't worry, I'll always have the rent on time, etc., etc. Okay. But what are your political beliefs? Well, you're not supposed to talk about those things in the workplace. You know, all of that equal employment opportunity. And, and for litigious purposes, for, for legal, you know, protection and so forth in the workplace you you know you ought to look through some of the policies if you're not familiar at your own company or at abroad pull some of them up and it's a common theme to say that you cannot discuss family life or medical or politics or you know anything that's not work related the limit is drawn there now i know that as a society, that's generally not how we act. We leave almost anything to be fair game under the right mood. But what you run up against in those situations is the possibility that you're not going to like each other, and it, but it's not work-related. Mm. 
Hmm. Ooh. Now, many people look at those as bonding experiences. Tell me about who you are, what you do, you know, how can I relate to you? They're looking at, at those as pieces to be able to build this culture with one another where you and someone else have common ground, whether it's a journey that you've been on, you hobbies that are, you know, similar. Oh yeah, I like building model cars too. What kind of glue do you use? You know, whatever it might be. And as you relate, and you could talk about things outside of work that are, you know, just you're on break. Hey, catch the game last night. See that TV show. You know, these things that are outside of somewhere you're going to stake your flag down. Those seem to be neutral to be able to talk about. But if you're going to live with somebody, if you're going to have a relationship, if you are a person that I would be interested in, I see your your profile, your pictures, the way you carry yourself. There's certain things that just like, they jump right out to you, right? You're going to buy something off the shelf. You look at the packaging. You try to see what kind of information they give you. Has this is this the is this the good one? Is this the good bag of chips? Maybe you want to get the one behind it because this one has been opened or it's got too much air in it or this box is dented, it's scratched. It, oh, somebody might have stolen something out of this one. You know, this box has been opened. It's incomplete. People look at other people like that for relationships. Here's this person with scar tissue, damaged goods is is a term that I've heard. So a lot of assessment as to whether or not you are okay I'm going down to see if I can adopt some new wonderful animal well here's Charlie but his owners used to kick the dog crap out of him oh poor guy he should come home with me I'll take good care of him now for somebody else that dog might be too much work might scare them they might think, well, his better days are behind him, or he's never going to be as innocent as I need. I'm going to have to go through this whole rehabilitation process of being able to get him back to where we can, you know, trust each other. Whereas you get a newborn, a new puppy, and, you know, people date younger people sometimes for these same motivating reasons. They don't have the bad you know, juju, or they're not people, who, and it's one of the reasons that employers sometimes like to hire young people. They're not full of bad habits. They haven't had these, Aerosmith has the great song, Jaded, you know, I love listening to that from the late 90s. Um, those are the circumstances that you often want in another person right they've got some seasoning to them they got a little bit of, they've been around a little bit so i can relate to them they can relate to me you know neither one of us is a, is a spring chicken so to speak and so let's see if we both don't want something more serious now because we've been through this weathering you know this period of building up a tolerance and Sowing your oats is a, is an interesting term, but you've 
had a chance to be validated or to put your wild child stuff out there to the test, and now you can be serious. You had a chance to be young. That's something that, I'll tell you what, I'll go into that after the break. This burger looked at one slice of melted cheese and said, more cheese. It looked at pickles and said, also onions. It wanted to be more than hot. It wanted to be juicy. This is the Quarter Pounder with cheese. An experienced QPC eater knows you should never let the ketchup that falls from the hot and juicy burger go to waste. So the youthful element that I was referring to is maybe something I've discussed previously on the podcast, but you know, folks tend to grow up in these you know non-traditional um, households, unlike they were a hundred years ago, where you have custody divided. You might be looking after other siblings. You might be forced to go to work. Uh, earlier than expected hardships are a little different the loneliness and all those kinds of things play into it and because of the timeline that develops people often experience their wild streak or you know their enigmatic kind of curiosity with Going out and, and drinking and partying and drugs and dancing and promiscuity and just generally testing things, trial by fire is, is a term I like to use a lot. And <laughs> a lot of fire. And folks, you know, see that other people play video games so much deeper into life and they're, you know, obsessed with, you know, all these you know, fads and shopping and collecting things and beyond it. You you don't have the same college and then a seriousness of, you know, procuring a career job and establishing a, you know, lifelong relationship, a household and these objectives to start a family in the same vein or along the same chronology, a time frame as, as before. And so it's a whole different experience for everybody around them, you know. There's a, a scene in Fight Club where they're riding in the car and I tell you what, I will I'll play it for you and uh we'll go back to that. Something on your mind, dear? No. All right, yeah, why wasn't I told about Project Mayhem? First rule of Project Mayhem is you do not ask questions. What are you talking about? Why didn't you include me in the beginning? Fight Club was the beginning. Now it's moved out of the basement. It's called Project Mayhem. When you and I started Fight Club together, do you remember that? It's as much mine as it is yours, you know. Is this about you and me? Yeah, I thought we were doing this together. You're missing the point. This does not belong to us. We are not special. Fuck that. You, you should have told me. Hey, Tyler! Ah, damn it, Tyler. What do you want? Statement of purpose? Should I email you? Should I put this on your action item list? Oh, look. You decide your own level of involvement. I will. I want to know certain things first. First rule of Project, Project Mayhem. Shut up. 
want to know what you're thinking. Fuck what you know. You need to forget about what you know. That's your problem. Forget about what you think you know about life, about friendship, and especially about you and me. What? What, what is that supposed to mean? What, what? what are you doing? Guys, what would you wish you'd done before you die? Paint a self-portrait. Build a house. And you? I, I don't know. Nothing. Like, I right have to know the answer to this question. If you were to die right now, how would you feel about your life? I don't know. I wouldn't feel anything good about my life. Is that what you want to hear me say? Fine. Come on. Not good enough. Stop fucking around. Tyler! Jesus Christ! God damn it! God damn it! Fuck you! Fuck Fight Club! Fuck Marla! I am sick of all your shit! Okay, man. Okay. Screwing around. Take the oh, wheel. Look at you. Take the wheel. Look at right? you. You're fucking pathetic. Why? Why? What are you talking about? Why do you think I blew up your condo? What? Hitting bottom isn't a weekend retreat. It's not a goddamn seminar. Stop trying to control everything and just let go. Let go. All right. Fine. Fine. I'd never been in a car accident. This must have been what all those people felt like before I filed them the statistics in my reports. God damn! <laughs> we just had a near-life experience! I always appreciated... Chuck Palahniuk wrote the book. I always appreciated the movie as an interesting... event in my life at 17 years old and you know I grew up in this very maybe other people in you know yesteryears would tell you that they were this age when the the big war occurred the draft the Kennedy got shot the, the big historical event culture changed a tremendous amount um through the late 90s and you know the the time that I was graduating high school and, and then cho choosing what to do with 9-11. It was like a whole new world around me. And many of the scenarios, the questions, the things that come up in, in Fight Club are, you know, these age-old kind of scenarios, but they're put together in one place like that. And that could be a very... Unsettling movie for many, many people nowadays because of the nature of people that want to 
look at how tangled up we are in consumption and, you know, working jobs we hate so we can buy things we don't need, you know. It, that was almost 25 years ago. So, it's like a lot of those things that I listen to from George Carlin or, you know, Lenny Bruce tried to warn people and stuff back in the day. And these are, back throughout time, people still use biblical references and, and these old, what would be sometimes referred to as prophetic you know, someone's a prophet, and they've given us this sentence that seems situational. You apply it to anything. You may apply it to something, you know, political. You may apply it to a drama that's going on between your favorite rivals, whether that's story, whether that's in real life, oftentimes people in their community are fighting back and forth about you know, how are we going to shape the future. And they look to those kinds of situations and go, oh, well, wait a minute. Is And that's a, one of those fundamental questions I was talking about in the beginning. Is this necessary? And I've always appreciated maybe my favorite scene in any movie is the conclusion of Storm of the Century from Stephen King. And it's from 1999, ironically, but I, didn't, I don't think I first saw it in 99. And they start down this road of it's a town that has a decision to make. And you know, the first question they ask is, do I, do I believe them? And I, <laughs> I thought that's... That is one of the fundamental things. It's 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 a euphemism. You could swap the words out. The first step in any process is to give. Uh, well, it it may be to, to believe. So, I relate to people who are they're growing up. They're doing things in no particular order. They grew up and they thought, man, I did something somebody else's way, or I didn't have any choices. Now. I'm in charge of buying groceries. I'm going to go to Amazon and buy 15 bags of marshmallows. Now, that's outrageous, right? But do people go and fill their carts up with all kinds of things that are not like a balanced diet? They don't have physical fitness on their side. So when you consume these things that are going to store fat and destroy your blood work, um, if you're not doing something to balance out what you're consuming, if you're out spending what you're making, so to speak, there'll be consequences. And when you are one of these folks who is behind the times, you, you've not established yourself, you don't have a career, you don't know, you know if you would build a house or what you would do if you feel good about your life, it does certainly put you behind in job interviews, it certainly throws you, you know, into the undesirable places in terms of the dating pool for whomever you're trying to seek out. Because people who have this structured way of looking at things, maybe you ask a series of questions, 
you know, I have the, the girlfriend application or whatever. That's I don't actually ever talk to anybody and just throw that in front of them and say, here, here's a clipboard. Fill this out. See you in two hours. You know, it's it's not like that. Now, are there people who have said that this would be fun? Let's swap answers. Of course. Because that's what it is. Let's play some checkers. No hard feelings. Let's just experience the next few steps together. Well, the word respectable is quite subjective, I would say. But you understand that if you have a certain, if you derive it like a job application or otherwise and say, here are the preferred qualifications, here are the minimum qualifications, so to speak. So yes, I would like to date someone who has a credit score above 500. Okay. Well, that's a pretty good portion of the population. Let's say that you want to date someone who has... But I use the word blood work. I'm just, those are just, they're not necessarily politically driven words, but you can understand what I mean. Someone who has decent blood work that, that you know, the, the doctor is going to look at them and say, here's a person who's not going to have to be on any kind of uh, corrective behavior. They don't have to change what they're eating. They don't have to have, you know, surgery. They're not going to live a shorter life and pay a higher, you know, insurance and healthcare premiums and beyond. Um, here is someone who seems to be uh, in control of their physical well-being at a, an extremely, not necessarily, you know, Olympic level, but you're looking at, some, oh, man, okay, this person, ah, they, ah they, they do clean out their car. They do wash the outside of it. They have some hygiene about them. They pick out outfits that make some kind of sense or, you know, everything's not in disrepair. They've not proverbially let themselves go, whether that's mentally, physically, or otherwise. There's a lot of folks who, you know, they've given up, whether it's on pursuing goals, on reading, on learning, on taking care of their body, whatever it might be. There's a lot of that that is just apathetic. and They, they are not going to... They, could they do the, the thing add it back into their way of life and put themselves into different categories? I'm sure. And then their doctor would say different things and their insurance representative would tell them this or that and they would answer different questions when they go to qualify for health insurance premiums and so forth. So it's interesting to think that you have folks out there who, you know... God, oh, uh, dating is so much different now. All right, what do you bring to the table? What are you What are you looking for? I'm looking for the same thing that you're looking for. Are you? Okay. You want to cross the finish line here. Well, I want to cross the finish line and be in a respectable place. I want to be able to do it, you know, in a way that I'm proud, get a good time, work up a good sweat. I want to feel like, you know, my potential is being tested or, you know, fully maxed out. That's where I'm at with things, right? And so you go 
to potentially date someone and you think, I don't know if this person is utilizing all their potential. They've left a lot of opportunities on the table. They have been complacent when it comes to their career. Maybe it's just keeping up their, their house. You know, what are you, what are you doing? What, what big change have you tried to implement this year? What's the last thing you learned? Where's something that you dove into that was voluntary where you didn't have to participate? Or maybe you're looking for somebody who's donated time to a nonprofit. They've gotten out of the house on a regular basis and they're engaging, you know, culturally and, you know, they're going to be a fun person to swap stories with, et cetera, et cetera. That makes a big difference if you try to have a car ride with somebody. If there's a person who they spend most all of their time at home or going to work, I don't know what stories they're going to be able to tell you unless they just make things up. They'll be able to talk about work all the time or the things that happen inside the house, but that's not a very wide array of subject matter. What can we do on a date? Well, what can you do on a date? Can you take this person and go bowling with them? Can you go hiking? Can you expose them to different weather? Are they going to be uncomfortable wearing different outfits and showing off their body if you go to the beach or being able to try something new? If Oh, I'm afraid of heights, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll do this and we'll make it a goal to do that. So I really hate, you know, I don't know, Chinese food. You're going to go out and you're going to eat Chinese food with them because they love... P.F. Chang's. And so you're going to go do that. And then you say, well, tell you what. Now, I know this is not the same as trying a new restaurant, but I would like to go to the rock climbing place. I'd like to go indoor skydiving. Are they going to be able to enjoy that with you? If you were to have a project and you needed them to be able to do something alongside of you, do you think they could keep up with you? Or are they going to have to stop and rest and have something to eat and turn in early and Right? Are they going to be someone who would be a formidable opponent, so to speak? Because to me, there's another aspect of that. It's mentally strong enough. Are you someone who can trash talk with the other person? If they flirt, you can flirt. If they say something that's unexpected, you can go with the flow. And you're, Oh, well, I'm sure he didn't mean any harm. I'm sure she didn't mean any harm. Let's explore this a little bit and, and see where it goes. All right, on to the next subject. It's nothing happens in the perfect order, so it's really s stupid to say, you know, I can't believe this person brought up this subject at the wrong time, too early. Blah, blah, blah. Who, get out of here! Like that's it doesn't make any sense to try to you know put everything on like it's an assembly line and you're loading you know uh, a bridge up for you know maximum engineering weight or performance or something it's a conversation it flows in different directions they may have had a different day than you've had and they want to joke where you want to be serious and i was looking forward to getting to know you well, look i had a very long day so i'd like to keep it lighthearted. tell me something funny tell me about your animals or say something flirty or you know what would you do if i've had a bad day to make my day feel better would you come home and give me a, a ted talk about you know this and that or would you adapt and be an amazing partner who offsets my stress level by making things fun 
because it's a completely different approach. And it, quite frankly, balances things out in a way that if you have these (laughs) folks who want to, you know, be in control more often than not, maybe even every step of the way, it destroys the chance of success for any two people to get along and have to be the two strongest individual people that they can be. You you are then giving up your individuality for the sake of the relationship. And I don't mean like, oh, you got to be monogamous. I'm talking about being able to still be proud of, of who you are and maximize your, you know, professional or creative potential, that kind of thing, where you aren't suffocating those very intimate pieces of your personality and quite frankly, your skill set, just because you want to keep the other person, you know, happy or at bay or, you know, you want to avoid conflict. I mean, it's just ridiculous. If you can't be yourself, you don't really have a good relationship with the other person. You know, I'm not saying there can't be some, you know, reining it in and, you know, you're you get finer with age and, you know, you learn, oh, maybe I shouldn't talk about this subject so much with this person. That's more for my friends. Okay. I'm in no way, shape, or form saying that you should have free reign to just, you know, upset the other person in general just because you're, well, if you love me, you would let me talk about anything. <laughs> no. it's <laughs> not exactly how that works. There could be a time to talk about anything. But any time is not the time to talk about anything. <laughs> those are those are different formulas. What do I have on this list here? Uh, the intelligence differential. Yeah, I, I mean, I spoke about that a little bit. You you want to be able to. Mm, I don't want to write you a note that you don't understand, and I'm not talking about it on purpose. I'm talking about just in general. If your wavelength is that much different than somebody else, you have to change how you tell stories and everything else. That doesn't seem healthy. Um, Voices, messages, movements, physical respect. Yeah, I touched on some of this, but a lot of that is, and I've I've had voices written down, you know, can you get outside the box? And, you know, you're telling a story. Are you a person who's going to make voices and faces and have that kind of, Uh, Is it Pictionary or... um, It's not shenanigans. Help me out. Um, When you're playing these games with each other and you have to... You can't tell the story. you got to act things out. Or win, lose, or draw. Or maybe you're playing checkers and they're playing chess. But you want to be able to relate to, you know, another person. They would be a great partner to be able to jump in on some sort of social engagement like that. And you would be operating at a similar wavelength. And that you would be able to almost form this code between the two of you because you operate at a level that is far beyond what you know to let's say younger people teenagers or otherwise would be able to understand 
it's really interesting to be able to do that. You're you know in a conversation, maybe the two of you with a third person, and you want to be able to get out of leave the room, and you, you don't have to necessarily give them a signal. It's just a vibe that you, you understand each other on this primal, not telepathic, but along those lines, right? You You get all the signals the other person is putting out. A majority of them anyway, right? And that's that's super important because when you want to have someone who you think would be a magical person to go through, like, oh, hey, hey, oh, oh, Michael over there, he can do a one-arm handstand, and he's got a podcast, and he does this with, you know, tools, or, you know, he's financially sound, or whatever. It's an interesting combination of things, but it also means that each portion of my life in those areas has a tremendous amount of structure. And so each of them does seem sound, and I can, you know, I perform well in each of these areas because I paid a lot of attention to those areas incrementally. You know, I'm, I'm 41 years old, so it's I've had plenty of time to develop language as a, as a project, as something through higher education, through the experimentation of this podcast, and... Of course, you know, there are folks who are going to argue with me and say, oh, you know, you don't communicate as often as I would like. Or, and that's, you know, look. I am available 24-7 to, you know, people in, in my inner social circle. And... I reply back as, as especially as necessary, but you know when I get around to something to something of quality that I want to send back to them, I don't feel obligated because they ask me a question or otherwise to just oh my goodness I can't leave this message unread. Oh yes I can, and you can too. It's fun to be able to just oh you know what I'm tired. I'm gonna go back to sleep. There were a few moments before this podcast began recording where I said ah, I've got everything ready notes are on the desk there's cigars and Bryce's Creek this is a North Carolina wine from Dublin there's Bryce's Creek wine on the desk and a glass of Dr. Pepper and oh man I am ready to I got ready to go to sleep <laughs> it was it was close this podcast might not have gotten recorded because I'm at a point in my life where, you know, I come up with these notes and these shows. And sometimes they get made and sometimes they don't. And I'll be okay one way or the other. And it's it's probably not very fun news for, you know, certain people who would listen. And, you know, they're, they're a co-worker or um, whomever you might have in your life that, they could think, well, what do you mean they can't get back to me immediately? Like, I'm just, they're going to take their time and focus on one priority. Then they'll communicate back with people. Like, it's like we would in the old days. You had to call people, and if they didn't answer the phone, maybe you call back later. Maybe they call you. Maybe you stop by. Maybe you just wait till you run into each other. It's not that big of a deal. Never has been. We made all of that up. All this stuff about like getting back to people and leaving people on red and coming up with these programs where you can see whether they opened the message. 
that's nonsense. It's just nonsense. Does anybody? Why is it important? If you can tell me why it's important to you, not only would I be interested in, in hearing uh, that, because I have some plants that need some good fertilizer, but I would think to you, you really need to step back your ability to irrationally try to balance things in your life and just, you know, what what in your life is negotiable? What is? I mean, it just has to be this way because that's a new level of insecurity. Somebody has to get back to you so fast. They have to do this, have to do that. That's not functional. That's the you know. There's the the question that I would ask out of that is what is it functional? Well, I need to make dinner plans, and we were gonna go to dinner, and now it's five, and I messaged him, and he didn't. Not a bad, you know. Call them, and if they don't answer, then you got to go. Then you got to make your own decision. But to try to put it on somebody, or you know, pretend that this is a, a thing to feel bad about, or just. <laughs> I was not. People forget things. You ought to be able to make mistakes. You ought to be able to intentionally, like, just, you know, choose something else every now and then. And then you get back to them. He's never not answered me right away in 90 seconds. <laughs> I would say he doesn't have very important things going on in his life. No, no, I'm the most important thing. Are you? Did you think about that? So nothing else that the, the person that you're messaging has going on from dusk to dawn, any any hour of the day, could ever be more important than putting some space between them and other people to clear their mind and meditate, concentrate, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast. You know, you take some time to yourself. It's very beautiful. I sit outside and stare at sky and drink your glass of water, wine, I mean, you know, whatever you might do. <laughs> you know, I know I've driven up many times to the back of my father's house. He's just sitting in a chair staring, watching the hummingbirds feed. He couldn't, he might be able to tell you. I mean, he's, it's not like he's got Alzheimer's, but he may not tell you where he left his phone at. Oh, it's inside or it's in the shop or something, right? He ain't carrying it. He's watching the hummingbirds. He's been working landscaping or washing off the vinyl side and planting something, you know, cutting the yard, whatever it might be. And he's just enjoying not being tied to all these radio towers and cell phone service and, you know, whatever else. is. If his wife's home, she's inside, and if she ain't, then she'll be back when she's finished being gone. Nobody worries I don't either. I don't. <laughs> so, my approach to you know being able to talk to people who are you know bound to these, oh, I'm on an app. So many people on Facebook. You know they got messages, they got alerts, they got notifications, they got direct messages. People are texting them, they're calling. They have this other plethora of you know these TikToks and Instagrams and Snapchats and I don't I don't keep up either. So there's this overwhelming amount of ways that someone could be getting a message that's not even related to their phone number, right? 
answer their phone. I cannot imagine what my alerts would look like if I did not go in and unsubscribe to, to email places and turn off notifications and so forth. Can't imagine it. Wouldn't want to. I've been in those circles where I, you know, before a lot of this existed, where I, you know, I'd created a dating profile, had matched up with a number of people. We traded, or, you know, I procured their number, or they got mine, and the conversation turned into something that was be, it would show up on a total on my monthly phone bill. You've sent and received this many messages. That's a lot of messages. It is. It's crazy. Why would anybody want to participate in that many messages? I don't know. I think I did it as some sort of mental exercise to say I could do it or, or otherwise. But a lot of that was meaningless conversation. It was like waiting for some miracle to come out of the woodwork or, you know, complacency. Oh, I'll, I'll talk to this person until something more interesting comes along. And it, that's... No. You get older, you get white. I saw a thing that uh, said that um, the progression of, of people at work says you attend meetings, you run meetings, and then you try to avoid meetings. As you, this is your, the chronology that as you get older in your occupation, you you know you want to be part of work, you want to be the leader, and then you're like, ah, what are they, work? I don't know about work. So <laughs> I think about that with the dating stuff, you know. I've got to be the first person to message somebody. Look, anything somebody could want, there's somebody on, you know, one of their apps who could match up with them and make them happy, superficially or otherwise, right? The kinds of things that I look for, you can't determine from some kind of a... Um, profile it just it doesn't work like that it's great if somebody has you know a, a good physique or it looks like they have good energy it's oh this person is, is a, an executive or a, you know they have some you know well-established job or otherwise but it's easy for me to look at anything and see the the objectivity of the two. Oh, this person's a higher-ranking official where they work. They're probably married to their work. They've probably been single a long time, and it, that's probably their bread and butter. It is their dominant item of an everyday schedule, and how they make decisions will filter through that first beyond anything that a potential partner could ever bring to them. They have their independence, their way of life, their otherwise because of that career, and so they're going to be loyal to that. It would take some, you know, very rare circumstances for them to abandon them being this extremely successful career person to put another human being, um, a relationship, um, at a higher value. Oh, here's someone who's that. Oh, that's a good-looking person. Who you got to remember, with so many different apps and attention and everything else, it's real hard to have a person who would be aesthetically, you know, upper echelon, come off of 
this kind of attention roller coaster that they've been on and be in a committed long-term relationship because the affirmation that they get online digitally right through all these means has to be replaced in some form and then mentally and with their time so that's a complicated series of events Oh, I, I'm glad I could just now talk to you. I was just getting ready to delete my modeling profiles and my rich history of you know thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of likes and the um, little spicy things that happen because I am pretty and people like to pay attention to me. Well, okay. How do you feel about taking all of that offline and enjoying a tag team, you know, a, a pursuit of happiness with one other person and investing in that way? You're not worried about what strangers think. You're not tied to this cyber addiction. You're going to pursue this clean kind of joy that you can only get by experiencing the world with somebody you love. Mm, I mean, yeah, but if I give it all up and it doesn't work, I'd have to start all over and... Then you would like what you're not going to carry that momentum into the next person that you might date. Oh, that is part of the trade off. You leave one job, you generally cannot carry any of the benefits, the time, all of that stuff that you've racked up stays behind. And the, you know, if you're super shenanigan driven, clever otherwise, and you're able to procure like oh, I'm going to use up all of my vacation and all of this and all of that right before I leave. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, now you have something to that. But <laughs> it's difficult, real difficult, uh, for people to <laughs> not have that spider web of gossip and turmoil that happens because they don't you know I love just running across something in my home or if I'm unloading a truck or whatever it might be and I see a, a label that hey wait a minute think about the irony of that language mm-hmm and you know, you, you have some fun with it, and you move on to the next thing. And after you've retained enough of those, you've got a small fortune worth of funny catchphrases or this series of inside jokes with the people around you. You don't have to keep bringing in all this superficial stuff to fill in the blanks. Now... You've contributed something, somebody else contributed something. You have this dialect, this dialogue, this whole 
language and communication method between a series of, maybe it's you and one other person, maybe it's several people, that now, oh man, like he gets it, right? And that's what you look for in another person, a friend, a lover, whatever it might be, that they get it and they get you. Because I got a weird sense of humor, man. I'm an EMT, and we see really bad stuff. And so we have a dark sense of humor. Oh. Well, then you probably wouldn't, you know, want to date a Sunday school teacher or something. <laughs> From on the surface level, it seems like you guys probably would not share a common feature act if we went down to the comedy zone or you know wherever, wherever you might find your specials on a streaming service right because oh i oh that's so lame i need something that's you know bob sackett level of exploitation or it's explicit it's gross it's pushing the extreme because you're numb to all those Lower level kind of, you know, topical. You might be a redneck. Oh, that's not funny to me. I want to hear about, you know, the aristocrats joke. Okay. I, I mean, I relate to both sides of that. However, one of the things that you can enjoy about people you've worked with, you've tried to, to date, you've tried to develop relationships with, are the historical milestones that you've experienced together. Whether you've been places, whether you, you know, ran into trouble Maybe you decided to take some kind of chances together. But if the chances that you take are, oh my goodness, I just can't keep my hands off of this person, you know, those are different kinds of risks because when you involve intimacy, you start developing these emotional connections and bonds to someone that you don't have these other pieces of fiber with. It's, mmm. That's like hiring somebody who's not qualified. Now what are you going to do to get rid of them? It's hard to terminate somebody. It's hard sometimes to end a relationship. Especially, oh, no, you've slept together. Mm. Too soon. Yeah, you hired them without, oh, I should have asked that question. Should have had that conversation. At the bottom down here of my list of questions here, what are your goals, your projects? You know, What skills would you like to learn? I think those are important. I, you know, Six Sigma is something I've looked into as far as you know streamlining and learning you know logistics at a different level, uh, at least to a with a certification, and it's it's got a lot of project management and things of that nature in it. So it it interests me, uh, being able to have people around me that appreciate feedback. If nothing else, you just don't know how much I would appreciate. For someone to be politically correct and say, oh, okay, you notice these things? Huh? All right, let me see that list. We'll, we'll see if there's anything we can do with this information. Let me see what's possible or what plays out. All right, so now you've done your part. You've, you've observed, you've reported, and it, you've... And that's as much as they're going to allow you to help. That's all you can do. But once you stop sort of keeping your eye open and noticing and that things of that nature, oh, it's ugly. 
And I see too many of these videos online where people are just, their language is complaining. They, oh, I can't believe you got to watch these cops because cops, uh, we're going to audit the auditors. We're going to First Amendment, you know, we're going to go to the, you know, traffic stops and record everything that's going on. And, you know, give me a break. Like, are you. Where are these folks when, you know, these corporations make these, you know, everyday decisions where, you know, you run into a police officer like once or twice in your life and yet <laughs> you, you don't care whether or not they're going to, you know, put, they had 15 registers before and now they're going to have two large self-checkout areas and, and that's, you're going to be doing all the work. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> That's right, because you were paying attention to the wrong things. Oh, cops will mess up your rights, and they'll do that. Nah. That's it's statistically less probable than you having food poisoning. And I don't see anybody going around hassling restaurants to have open air kitchens and glass windows so they can see the chef and everything else it doesn't make any statistical sense so are people passionate about certain things yes are they statistically insignificant they are both things are true they're absolutely passionate about something that is statistically insignificant You may look at um, someone you're dating and say, oh, you know, um, real beauty is on the inside. What are you, a gastrointestinologist? Like, I don't what are you talking about? If that's true, we wouldn't have car washes. We'd only have detailers because the outside doesn't matter. We wouldn't wash windows. Wouldn't pay people to pressure wash our homes and landscape and have all these contracts because the real beauty's on the inside. Now, Michael, let, tell me how it's different. What is the difference between someone who has been complacent about their their blood work, their fitness level, taking care of themselves, so to speak? Uh, what is the person who has, they've let the height of their grass grow to this level, and you would consider their yard in bad shape, and you know it's, it, it needs somebody to come over there, and oh my goodness. Their hair is is a mess. Their beard is scraggly. Their waistline is protruding. So, what's the difference between somebody's landscaping looking like that and someone's physical appearance, their their actual body, letting that go? Oh man, he's doing heroin all the time. He's smoking all the time. He's you know. Here's a person who is just a wreck. Interesting. 
why doesn't that apply to appetite and beyond? Uh, I mean, it, yeah. Well, if you want to, you know, you want to throw the, as people have done in many videos online, they throw the blanket up in the air and then they run away and the dog thinks they just like disappeared. Well, they didn't disappear. And you may think that these are conversations. They're like, oh, that's a valid point. All right, well, why don't you have some of the conversations? You act accordingly. Well, uh, well, what? You always run away. They ain't going to be able to chase you. That's not funny. Um, but Anthony's, <laughs> I know you are, Anthony. You're laughing. Uh, but I, I just, <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I don't remember what did I what did I say to that poor kid we were we were having a a, a roasting uh, a battle back and forth we were talking trash before our our big you know fantasy wrestling match and and he had to say what he had to say, I'm the most feared man da 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 I said you know I can just circle the ring at a, at a good pace and just wait for your cardio to fail on you. I always thought it'd be interesting as a wrestling move to give you know to give someone CPR. If you give a guy CPR who don't need CPR, it has adverse effects. Like right, they would be oh, oh, oh and they'd be able to pin him one, two, three because you got him down on the mat. You know, you you get your hands in the position, you put your palm there at the xiphoid process, and you just pump, 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 pump. You know, oh, oh, you know, it'd be like stomping the guy, except in like a very key area to his anatomy. And he would just be out like a light. It's like hitting a guy in the temple or on the um, perfect placement of the jaw and he gets knocked out. You start doing things, just disrupt someone's cardiovascular system. You're going to be able to incapacitate them for three minutes. or Well, probably for three minutes, for three seconds, depend them. And three minutes is probably accurate, too. And so, uh, you know, imagine this wrestler. He comes to the ring. His manager carries a defibrillator. He's carrying that, you know, case so that after he wins, his manager slides in and they, they clear, you know, and they bring the guy back to life because that guy, the guy who wins, the guy who has the manager, who did the dastardly thing, he doesn't want to be in family court or, you know, civil prosecution or you know wrongful death suit because he killed a guy in a wrestling match so they always got to you know keep the paddles and bring the guy back to life what what amazing tv this would make you know maybe they didn't forgot to charge the defibrillator and they can't wake this guy up one week oh no oh no so he's got to give him the, the other he's got to give him cpr again and the guy comes back too and he's he beats his ass i don't know it would make for interesting storylines but um Guess why they don't let me in into wrestling? But uh, you know, if you're not being respectful of of your vessel, whether it's your car, your home, your otherwise, uh, your office, and, and not just your body, uh, there's something about that that is, uh, you know, stop what you're doing and think about things. Some people have given up. They they're going to stay complacent. They're going to sedentary is a word, um, and and that's going to be their way of life. It's a very dangerous way to be. 
It's kind of like working third shift. If you get the right amount of sleep and you're doing certain things, you can certainly thrive on third shift, but it is difficult to survive, you know, especially people who rotate shifts and things of that nature. It destroys your circadian rhythm uh, of your heart, your sleep pattern, your metabolism is wildly um, out of sync because you're eating at different times. Your digestive system is here when it could be there. And, and so it, it really does mess with your health. Everything's out of calibration, so to speak. Uh, and if you're not a person who acknowledges that your relationship with somebody else would be out of calibration because you do certain things and the other person, oh, man, they're not anything like me. Opposites attract. Look, at some point you're going to have a disagreement about why there is potential for something and the other person disagrees, why you want to go in a direction that they probably could or could not go in based on things that you could have addressed in the beginning, Right? You know what I really want to do? I want to have, well, I don't know. I don't know if we should have this conversation. No, no, tell me, tell me. Well, I want to hike the Appalachian Trail this summer. Uh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, and I look, if you're with somebody who has limitations, whether it's because of, of physical appearance, if it's a disability, if it's the environment, otherwise, uh, you're incompatible to be able to do those things together. And it's just, just how it is. You know, if I have numbers and, and you have elements, there's ways to put together a scientific equation with both things. Not a way to put a mathematical equation together with both things. Oh, yeah, well, there's not. There is if you do algebra. <gasps> hey, wait a minute, Michael. How did you? Yeah, because I can see those things and I can incorporate them. It's easy for me. You know, I've looked at, I had some arguments over the last few weeks in different professional settings. And I have a simple equation that I use when it comes to work. If you're out there and you want to steal this, it's nothing special. Time and resources equals results. So if you have less resources, if you have less, if you're understaffed, less people, the system goes down, whatever it might be, you need more time to be able to get the same results. If you need to do something in a shorter amount of time, obviously you need to increase the resources. And so just treat it like algebra. You know, T minus 2 equals, right? So now you have to add 2 onto the results or otherwise. So you got to, I'm sorry, you have to take 2 off the results. You got to balance it in some way. So if you take 2 off the time, you got to add 2 to the resources. You got to balance it for everything to work out. And if you're a supervisor and you go, hey, how come the five of you didn't do all the work yesterday? And there was, you know, supposed to be eight people scheduled. Well, realize that when you're missing three out of eight, you're now missing 37.5% of your work staff. And if they accomplish anything past being short 37.5%, they have overachieved. So that that's how to process that. You can't just look at it and go, oh, the work should get done in any way, shape, or form. No matter what the circumstances, you can't do that. If that was true, you wouldn't have a staff of eight people. You'd have a shorter crew all the time. Why would you, you know, you're just giving away money? We're just making so much money. We want to employ everyone. No, it's because your projections, your metrics, all of your calculations involve this. 
And when you don't have those same numbers coming into the equation for any given situation, the outcome changes. And that's just life. It's, it's not something that's really difficult. You know, maybe we have to make it up later. Maybe we have to, you know, restructure something about these. We can't be short in this area. We're going to be short somewhere else. All right, we'll move some pieces. But to pretend that life just goes on, you know, I can't believe I lost my whole arm in Vietnam. But it, it hasn't really changed my life. You know, I'm a carpenter. It hadn't changed your life when you're a carpenter. What do you do to hold the nail? How do you nail with one arm? Well, I guess it changed my life a little bit. Right. I'm sure it's difficult if you're a boxer and one of your arms falls off, gets cut off, and something happens. You take a wild left hook, it's going to spin you around like a top. Anyway, um, you just, <laughs> you got to be able to incorporate certain things into how you approach, whether it's a professional or a personal relationship. And I, I'm trying to glance over several areas here, not, you know, in case somebody's going to have. You know, doubts about themselves or other. Oh my goodness, I need to reevaluate things. You can or or don't. I mean, you know, you could always just say, "Here's the level that I'm functioning at." So here's the, cl- here are the peers in my class. Here's what my potential is based on these circumstances, and I should get someone who is moving at a similar speed or similar potential. I have the skill set to go out there and earn a tremendous amount of money every year. Do it. But if you don't, can you really be upset if you're not making all that money? It's Biden's fault. He's not giving me cost of living. What are your qualifications? Okay. Well, increase them. And change jobs. As Bill Cosby was pointing out, and this has been years ago, I think this was in like 98, he was speaking at McDonough High School, and I have this, I've never been able to duplicate this, I, I got it off of Kazam, or help me out, it's one of those um, trading pieces of software back in the day, like Napster. So, in his speech, he's talking about how you don't go to work at the burger restaurant to make money. The only guy who's going to make a bunch of money at the burger restaurant is the guy who is the manager at the burger restaurant, or maybe you own the burger restaurant, and then you're the guy who who makes the money. That's an introductory level job. You go there, you get some experience, you learn some things. Maybe you're a shift leader, a team trainer, a salary manager. You move on to something else. Now you know how to you know run a a shift and do some ordering, P and L, check vendors in and out. There's all these wonderful things that if you put them on your resume with the right language, you become extremely marketable. That's a, an intense environment, quite frankly. And so to be able to function and, and rise you know, up in those ranks where other people, it's the attrition rate, the number of people who quit is extremely high. And it doesn't mean that you know, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. It, it means you have a different kind of discipline. It, there are people who maybe they don't want to do nothing else. They can't do nothing else. In their town, there is nothing else. 
It doesn't mean that you're bound to your you know location forever and ever. There's risk versus reward and all that stuff. And especially if you find yourself with a partner and the two of you are, you know, maybe it's a roommate or a best friend. It doesn't have to be a lifelong, you know, romantic kind of partner. Once you start pooling your resources together with friends or, you know, a pursuit of happiness kind of, you know, romantic thing, you're able to do more because your assets increase. It's pretty simple like that. And, I, and I've seen this uh, situation play out personally in, in both ways. Um, and I heard it from CM Punk, who's, who's now back. Um, he said, you go faster alone, you go farther together. Well, yeah, I, I mean, in the last year, I've been through a tremendous amount of uh, growth and, and exposed to all this knowledge and this and that and the other. <laughs> It's interesting how it'll get you put uh, into the line of fire, uh, whether it's with your peers or, you know, the expectations from above are, are changed rapidly. Now you're the bad guy, you know, because, you know, it, people don't like when they put a bunch of money, money into a lottery ticket or, you know, they whether it's impatience or whether it's human nature. There's there's lots of things where timing is not, you know, the world circumstances just they don't perfectly calibrate, they don't line up, and so, you know, I if I have been working at a restaurant in the past and I've developed somebody who I think would be a great person for a promotion and their personal life doesn't line up with it, that's, that's how it is. People don't always get along with their coworkers. People, you know, complain. They, you know, some person wants to be there, some person doesn't, some person is insensitive to a subject. Sometimes, you know, there's a culture of, you know, adults versus younger people. You know, oh, we, you can't joke like that. Well, it's probably not in the best interest of whoever wrote that policy to have, you know, outrageous things be the subject of your humor or fraternization or whatever else. But when you know when you used to have these mature office spaces and things of that nature, this was not a concern because society was completely different, and so everybody knew nobody meant any harm. We're just being human beings who make money together, and then we explore different social avenues as a unit because then we can mature and we don't have to <laughs> treat everything like it's so fragile. And when a tremendous amount of things become fragile and they come become the subject of these areas where you can you know be reviewed by a third party and you know there's all this it, it's difficult to operate under those circumstances and and that's one of the reasons that people you know they they do they pull out their cameras and they Oh, these police officers, they didn't read the guy's rights, or they did, this was technically wrong. Oh, my good, oh, brother. But there's so much of that that is is the culture now. Oh, I, I can't believe he said this thing about this, you know, this thing in the news. Somebody found somebody attractive, whatever it was that, you know, it, it's... <laughs> 
Well, it's not written in our policy that you can openly be a human being and discuss all of these things. There are restrictions, you know. And here are the, as, as Carlin says, the seven words you can't say on television. Here's the seven subjects you can't discuss in, in the workplace. And so once you cross any of those things, now it becomes this, you know, ooh, what are they going to do about that, you know? And there's often procedures to follow and discretions to make and autonomy discussed. But you know, the, the reality of uh, having dexterous people often means that it protects the company in the event of whatever litigious, you know, lawsuits or, you know, wrongful termination or, you know, any of these conflicts that arise however <laughs> what gets lost in all of that is that you're you're almost intentionally desensitizing human beings to all of these different things The minimum requirement is to lift 25 pounds. Yeah, but what about if I have an accommodation? Oh, I guess you don't have to lift 25 pounds. Oh, hey, wait a minute. I guess it's not the minimum. No, not if you have a note from home, Billy. You can miss extra days from school. You can have a hall pass. You can go to the bathroom extra. You can, you know, then, it, then you become someone who is not... You're not. You have um, some sort of exception to the minimum qualifications and, and beyond. Now, there's a different temperance that goes along with, hey, here's this guy who's he's not going to miss. He's got sick time built up. Yeah, but he's not going to miss work. So he's not going to use that sick time. What's the company going to do for him? Well, I mean, if he feels bad, he should call out sick. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean the same thing to him that it means to somebody else. You know, I've been working 25 years and I've never called out sick. So I have a tremendous amount of sick time built up. And I've looked at trying to, to use it in one way or another. And it's like, nah, you, you got you to gotta be sick. Or you got to have scheduled, you know, surgery or something medical. And, and then you could apply it. And I thought, wow, this is... That's adverse to my to my pride. How do I get one of those, you know, but I'm not a person who turns in a note to try to, you know, reroute the system. How would I go about having a discussion with somebody to be able to participate in these benefits that I have accrued, that I've, I've built up over the course of time, while still maintaining my, you know, not calling out, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I don't go to the doctor, so, I mean, I'm, you know, that's like, what, what is the alternate version of that? And it might be something to bring up in a, in a, a meeting or to put in front of a committee to review and say, hey, what can I do about this? Do you want me to lie? You want me to make something up and, and use it as extra vacation days? Oh, yeah, having a, my head replaced. They're putting a new brain in. Going to be out for a week or two. 
need to use up my sick time while adjusting my new brain. Like, <laughs> be like a Shibata or whatever. <laughs> there was a guy in Japan who had a lot of <laughs> head injuries, and the, the legend was that they did this. Cranial, they did this neurological brain surgery on this guy as part of the <laughs> part of the process that they took his brain out of his head and then put it back in. I don't I don't think that's true. Um it's interesting to think about. But um yeah, I I just I think that, you know, when it comes to relationships, there are many of the same principles apply. Here's a person who cannot find someone attractive who doesn't meet minimum criteria. And it's real hard to get a pass or a, a note or, a, as we say, an accommodation around. Wow, I just, I, I don't know. But they're a real sweet person. They have a great job and great kids, you know, but uh, no thanks. Sometimes things are just incompatible, and that's part of you know the dilemma that I have faced in different circumstances. You know, I've I've outgrown positions that I've been in, and there's not anywhere for me to go. I have a tremendous amount of things you know that need. Let's scroll down on my screen here. There are one, two, three, four, five stories that have <laughs> they've been sitting there a long time. I looked at some of them; and they're three or four years old. That I have not gone back and and just immersed myself enough to finish them. Uh, I don't know how long uh, some of it would take. Maybe an afternoon. But I always think, you know, I need to, to get off work and, and get my sleep balanced. And then when I have a day or two off, uninterrupted, with you know, without plans. Then I might get into it because that would give me this window of opportunity to to really you know read this back to where I was and and try to maybe who I am now and incorporate the two and uh, and and finish the story mm wouldn't that be great but I don't want to you know halfway do it so I don't get into it like today I go back to work in in 28 hours or something and um yeah I'm just not getting into it today it's, I don't feel like that would be, it's a whole process to clear your head and then dive into that and, and you know, leave the world behind. It, for me, it is. And so the same thing is true if it comes to finding a partner, if it comes to making a decision. You need to be able to really, like, clear your head out and just... lay everything on the table mentally or or physically maybe both and see all those pieces and whether some of them fit together and are some of them malleable or you know they're they're um, dexterous as a word but are they are they interchangeable pieces can they be used in different ways ah we have seems like we have more options here we have five pieces they, they can only go in a certain number of places well not if they're like jigsaw pieces that are cut to the same shape and turned over and, you know, both sides. Oh, my goodness, Michael. Now That's right. Now I'm increasing the number of possibilities. And that's really what you want to do when you're developing a relationship, when you're developing your kids, uh, talent at work or otherwise, is to have this, you know, these people who are multifunctional 
Because if you get with someone for narrow reasons and any of the circumstances change, now you're kind of screwed. If you hire people who meet minimum qualifications and then demand changes or you're short-staffed or otherwise, oh, hard to ask those people to go above and beyond because they didn't come in as, you know, heavily or maybe even overly qualified. So that's, that's something to really take into account if you're a fourth-dimensional kind of person. And I've always been that way. It's like, it's not just, it's not about today. I'm not going to come to you with today's problem. This is going to be an issue until we change the cycle and the system. What do you think? Uh, you know, because I'm asking a lot when I start bringing suggestions up, whether it's to a person or I'm, if I'm suggesting something to a person, it's often a behavioral change. And some people don't like, they don't want to do. If they wanted to be like that, they'd already be like, yeah, they don't need me to tell them, you know, because they're sitting there going, oh, you know what, Michael? I was waiting on you to come explain that to me. I, I am so glad I was sitting here when your message arrived because I've been, you know, like the, in the Old West, it's just, I've just been hanging out at the telegraph station waiting on good news and instructions to arrive. And, and now I can take my clean slate, this, this blank canvas that uh, you want to paint on and, uh, Follow your lead. Thanks, Michael. That's not how it works. <laughs> I, I wouldn't get involved with something that was that raw, probably, because, quite frankly, you need a, a working system and something that has a little bit of tolerance and test and maturity to it. It's it's weathered a storm or two, and now you know like it can handle different seasons and obstacles and and it might be open and and quite frankly ready for some changes but i disagree with a tremendous amount of people about how to handle certain things because i don't approach the world in this ultra sensitive way there when i say the best you know the word best means it is like the number one that's the best there's not a a second 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 best no, it's second place. It's not the best. I'll be using second best. Best is first place. Or best, you know, the best. And then everything else is, is below best. Is a little less desirable or inefficient. or It would be a secondary decision as far as the... Best way to... You know, I hate to use best in the description, but it would be... substandard, secondary, or, or less than when it comes to reaching the maximum potential. So if your goal is to reach the maximum potential, as, as mine is, then I hope that whatever you're doing, whether it's interviewing people, whether it's developing relationships, if it's taking risks, making a meal plan or, or whatever it might be, that you think about things today and then Three months and six and 90 and, you know, the people call that 30, 60, 90, but, you know, that you're looking at incremental time periods and going, oh, okay, here's what I'd like to do. And maybe in, on the second 
evaluation. I want it to be here and then there. You, you, you'll find, and this is true with everything throughout history, that once you start getting a change rolling, it's somewhat unpredictable how fast uh, things can happen. And often they happen way faster than we ever predicted, calculated, projected. You know. So it's interesting. It, it really is. And it's one of the reasons that I have this second podcast so close to the last one. I, I thought a lot about what to do with some of my downtime. And, uh, I was doing a couple of other projects and you know Christmas shopping and things of that nature. I had to have some long conversations with Oh, but, you know, it's Christmas and people want to get you stuff. I said, look, I own. I'm I'm not cheap by the quality of things that I buy, but I, I'll go buy coats out of season on eBay. So I own a series of winter jackets that are super, you know, they're .0 winter jackets. I paid $25 or something for I think they're $400 jackets. Maybe they're not that expensive. They're they're pretty expensive, and they're 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 good down to like negative twenty, way beyond anything I could expose them to. And I bought two of them when I. Matter of fact, I think I bought three of them when I bought them because I gave one to a, a friend. But I didn't pay much for them. You know, I paid less for those three than most people pay for one jacket, or maybe even a, a nice you know name brand hoodie or something. So I tend to stretch my dollar farther and. Part of that comes from, you know, I when I eat, like especially over the last few days, I ate a beef brisket, and then I made a ham that I've got a, a good portion of sitting behind me. That'll be my meal. It was yesterday. It will be today. doesn't bother me to not have side items or mix it up. Or, That's a lot of pork, a lot of ham. Yeah, it is, but I'm okay with that. And, and I've, I don't know that my body's any worse off for it. I don't really get my blood work run like that, but I would be I would be curious to have somebody do it just to see if it came back normal. Because I think that we have certain things that happen biologically where we become tolerant in ways that we would not have thought. And what my body becomes accustomed to and, and you know runs on is something you would think is completely unhealthy. Often there's a way and there's, you know, we don't see it. We have to you know, encounter a lot of resistance before we start unraveling the, oh, man, that was here the whole time. Tell you, I, I, I tell you this, and then I'm going to get out of here. I had, it's burning on the desk next to me, and it seems to be burning slower. Like, I'm going to get like five times the use out of it. I don't know why this is true. Maybe somebody will tell me. Um... So I, I I buy candles when I can get them at a, a better price. Usually I pay five ninety nine or something from Marshalls, or you can get them the mainstays or whatever. But uh, some candles have longer burning times. Anyway, I I have some candles or a bunch of wax. Some candles didn't burn, you know, quite the way they should have, and they went down in the middle, and the wax stayed on the side. And I'm like, oh, I got all those wax. And I'm sure, you know somebody's out there going, yeah, you just throw it in the trash, just throw it away, it's wax. You know. But I took a Pyrex dish and put it over top of this, um, I don't know if candle holder is the right term, but 
the glass candle is smaller than the apparatus it's inside of. It's a metal decorative, you know, it's got a almost like a fence pattern to it. So you put the, the uh, glass candle in the middle of this other decorative uh, candle ceramic piece here. And uh, when it illuminates inside the glass, it also lights up the pattern inside of this other candle contraption. And, and it, you know, now it's pretty. Well, I took the wax from the other candles that, and it was going to waste. It was going to get thrown away. And I put it into a Pyrex dish. And set the Pyrex dish up on top of the candle holder. There's this ceramic piece here. And uh, it is melting the wax slowly. It's the same thing that if you buy a wax burner, which is powered by electricity or something, um, it, that's what it's doing. It's, melt, it's melted that wax into a certain shape in that bowl and... I can see some of it being liquid now, and it's very slowly going away. I don't know how many hours that's going to last. Probably, uh, it's been going for a while. If I had to guess at this point, it'll go 50 or 60 hours. It's rather interesting, because I'm not sure that those candles were supposed to last that long. It's almost like I discovered something new. But... um, I wouldn't have seen that, and I, you know, most likely would have. I, I looked around the house and I said, I, "I'm going to, I'm going to do something with this wax. It smells good. You burn it, like you know. And sometimes I have a cigarette or a cigarillo or a cigar or whatever. You know, so I'll burn the candle to balance out the aroma of the house. And that was a good choice. That was my second try at that. So the first thing I did was, I. God, what did I have it in? Mm. It wasn't the same container. Anyway, um, I originally had it in a different container. And I just put it directly on top of the glass candle jar. Well, not directly. I, I took some metal chopsticks that I have and laid those down as the division between the the candle flame the top of the glass and set something on top of it now it looked funny because it was on these round chopsticks you set something on top of round chopsticks it's probably going to roll that's how they used to get stuff down the river you know they put logs there and then they roll the logs down the river and so I thought what if this wax gets heated up it's all melted and there's a bowl full of wax it rolls right off this thing it's going to be wax everywhere this is going to be the big you know the worst mess in the history of my house well it didn't happen the flame wouldn't stay lit that way there wasn't enough gap between the flame between the air that was coming into the candle and what I put on top so I separated the two I just looked at it and I said this is like a wax warmer this is so simple could I have put it in a pan or, or put that ceramic dish on, on the stovetop and put it on a low setting? I think absolutely that would work too. But that's downstairs and I'm upstairs. So if you have candles that don't burn all the way, there's extra wax or whatever it might be, you know, put some heat to it. Not too much heat that you're going to crack it and make a big mess that you're going to have to clean up with. I just clean it up with a razor blade. If I ever spill wax anywhere, you just take the razor blade and just, you know... It's done. But 
how simple is it for your holidays or wherever else to look around and go, oh, man, look at that. Do you already have something that does that same thing? The answer is probably. Do you need a new one? Need a new one's an interesting phrase. What are you going to do with the old one becomes the question. And this is where the whole, you know, I had this, this engaging message with my mother that was about consumption and otherwise. She said, oh, you know, she's not working as much and she's uh, still wanting to be like the, the you know, gift-giving, you know, undefeated champion when it comes to Christmas. And I said, look, we, we all have these amazing memories of things that you found that come in handy or, you know, you don't, there's nothing that can touch your legacy. I think you're going to be all right. If this is how it is from now on, that's that's just fine. Concentrate on you. And she told me, you know, I, I said a lot of other things, but she she told me she really appreciated me being able to, to give her that kind of uh, pep talk about stuff because, you know, she feels like she's this, I don't know, gateway to new information or she found something at Costco that somebody else, you know, oh, they don't have a Costco membership. Oh, give me a break, man. Like, <laughs> it's okay. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. My car died on the way to the beach uh, about two months ago, and she had given me one of these jump starters that was still like in the packaging in my car. And this was from like three or four years ago. It's amazing that thing had any battery left in it. And I hooked it up to the battery, and I turned it over. What had happened was I I was sleepy. I pulled on the side of the road and locked everything and fell asleep right there. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. I ain't worried. It's interstate. And the car turned off, but the lights and everything stayed on. Oh, now the battery, you know, and I don't know how long I was asleep, but it drained the battery to the point that the radio was dead and everything else. And so when I turned it back on to see if it would, if I could get it to crank, let it sit there, no way. So I had to find some way to jumpstart this car. And I thought, oh my God, this thing's in my trunk. I've never used it. Aha. Uh-huh. And so I did. And it was great. It was just great. Um, and then I, I got to where I was going. I plugged it up and charged the battery all the way up. It took a while to do that. But, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that she got that for me. I don't, you know, I think it was probably 19 bucks, 20 bucks. What a, what a great thing. And I thought, you know, if I am stocking my children's vehicles up or, or giving them, you know, something to that needs to occupy a little bit of space in their door or their trunk or whatever – this is something that would be a great that maybe a, a mechanics tool set that has the basic you know sockets deep sockets those kinds of things i like that people have tools and they're prepared that's an important thing to me i had a, a pyrex dish that i could use and I, I guess i had this decorative candle whatever it came out of somebody's house and wasn't going to use it and i said give it to me and I'll, I certainly plan on giving it to somebody or somebody asking me, like, oh, that's nice. Take it with you. You know, it's, I'm just a, the messenger, so to speak. But for right now, come in handy. I don't like having a lot of useless things around my house. I threw out a tremendous amount of clothing and everything else in the last few months because I got two arms and legs and I'm, I'm only going to go so far with work or travel or whatever. And I, I'd rather have fewer clothes that I could wear out and, you know, enjoy the higher quality, you know, the ones I prefer, so to speak, than to just 
oh my goodness, look at this this amazing wardrobe and the, how many shirts I have and how many of these and that. There was so many of these little $5 shirts from, you know, you get the, what's the, am I going to forget it? It starts with an M. It's not Moldova. Um, Morona, something of that nature, the Target brand shirts. I had, you know, the, the, I don't know, maybe four or five of those. They're still in really good condition, right? They'll find a good home when I give them to some nonprofit or you know, wherever they end up in the next few weeks. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We're going to see a lot of things change in the world because we keep producing so much stuff and there's nowhere to put all of it. Forget <laughs> people are going around talking about deflation and this, that, and the other. We, we can't keep buying all this stuff. There ain't nowhere to put it. It's pretty simple. You have to choose and and have, you know pledge allegiance and and stick to the things that are most important to you, and that's true. Whether maybe you're thinking about that in terms of dating. Oh, here's this person. Yeah, and you could keep getting messages and keep having all this nonsense time tied to these irreverent apps on your phone and attention and whatever, or you can throw all that crap out and invest in the thing that'll last you forever. Quality over quantity. Pretty simple, right? Anyway, well, I have not decided what the closing song for this uh, episode will be, so I'm going to go do a little bit of clicking through the, the more recent things that I've been playing on Spotify. And I'll, I'll choose something good for you. But uh, as always, if you have questions, comments, concerns, I, I know my email was full last week. Um, shoot it over there and I hope if I don't uh, address you before then um, enjoy your your December your Christmas and uh, thank you for taking your time and listening to me fear is charging hard as I reach to touch your face Feel like there ain't no one else around And I got no good reason to be stuck here in this place Loneliness and whiskey keep me down And I can't understand why I keep coming back for more I'll never know the reason that you lied